I'm kind of a weeper sometimes. And uh, it's, it's, it's a cool thing because, uh, man. So, like, during the fires just this last year, I came up here and got to hang out a little bit. We were, um, I don't know, looking for Antifa or something like that. I don't know what was going on. Um, but uh, uh, we have a bunch of people up here, and there was rumors of looting and whatnot. And so one of our elders, Jeff Schneider, is uh, from out here. And so I just came out. He was staying with me. And so I said, I'll come with you. We'll come hang out. And uh, just uh, got to meet a bunch of people that, uh, that I like. And uh, the, the Lord at that point kind of put it on my, my heart to see a church planted out here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Holy cow. Goodness gracious. I don't know what it is. It's like the, the nerves or whatever. I don't know. Um, but I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to cry in front of a bunch of country guys. So uh, uh, that's uh, so I'm a little bit of a softy sometimes. Um, in any case, so uh, we, we had this idea and we thought, you know what, let's, let's do that. Um, we uh, kind of knew somebody who owned th- this barn and uh, asked them, and to our surprise, they said, yeah, you can use it, and I think it's pretty stinking cool. Um, so um, that's kind of our style as Outward Church. But let me tell you just a little bit about me, uh, just to kind of give you some context. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor. He planted churches, and uh, I was a hellion. I, uh, I, I could not figure out how to get my life right. I could not figure out how to do good, how to be a good person, how to, how to get right with God. I was constantly plagued by the idea that like, I can't get my life straight. All I want to do is bad things. I don't want to do good things. And I don't know why that was. Maybe it's because I grew up in the church or whatever. And, uh, and I, just, I just could not figure out how to be a good person. But I came to this point where finally the Lord got a hold of me. He got a hold of me when I, when I realized that it wasn't about what I could or could not do. It is about him. And so God got a hold of my life. He changed my heart in a way that, uh, that I, I, I couldn't believe. So I was in construction for many years. I uh, did uh, construction management, did demolition, did uh, built houses, managed projects, stuff like that. Loved doing that. But at the end of the day, I would get done building something, doing something that I had always wanted to do at a very early age. And I uh, came to this point where I was like, I could build stuff all day long and it wouldn't matter eternally. It wouldn't have any bearing on anything that matters eternally. It's all going away eventually. And so the Lord put it on my heart to enter into ministry a little bit like my dad, I think. And so I, I began thinking about that. But everybody that I talked to said, uh, you, uh, you need to go to school. And I hated school. And so I didn't want to do that. I wasn't sure I could read. It, there was all kinds of problems there. My parole officer was, had issues with it too. I'm just kidding about that. So, uh, but... Um, in any case, that was a total joke. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't be joking like this. You just met me. So, uh, but in any case, I, uh, I, I just allowed the Lord to lead me and, uh, little by little made a ton of mistakes. And then one day we said, you know what? We want to start a church in Salem because what we saw in Salem was that there was, this, there, there was a time period around 2007. There's a bunch of authors that were coming out supposed, uh, supposedly as Christian authors and pastors who uh, were writing books and doing video series and things like that. And they were misrepresenting who Jesus is. 
And many of my friends were falling prey to this. And part of the reason was because they went to the church and they heard all these things that, uh, that the, the churches that they went to at the time said, and they said, you know what? Some of that stuff is not true. Some of that stuff is racist. Some of that stuff is wrong. And uh, if that's wrong, then they're wrong about everything. And so then they went down that path and they threw the baby out with the bathwater. They threw Jesus out um, with uh, the bad stuff. I came to a point where I said, you know what? I think that we can start a church that people would want to go to, and they would stop like leaving the church, and we could begin to speak truth to them. And so we rented a theater before we even had a bank account, and I signed a $60,000 lease at this theater, not even knowing how many people were going to even show Here I go again. Here. Oh, my God. How many people were even going to show up? And lo and behold, the Lord blessed that. And so we were in that theater for a couple of years, and if you know Salem at all, we moved into the old Keith Brown Lumberyard and uh, remodeled that, and the Lord has, has blessed that for the last 13 years. That's been an awesome thing. So our, our vision is to plant multiple churches all throughout the region. I don't know why we started in Silverton. I just, I just like you guys, so I'm glad that you're here. Maybe you're from Scotts Mills or Mount Angel or wherever it is that you're from, but uh, I, I like you. And so uh, we're, we're here, and we're, we're going to see what the Lord does with us. So I'm glad that you're here this morning uh, to be a part of uh, the church with us. Uh, as I said, we're Outward Church. Uh, one of our, our byline says we want to love Jesus, live outward. That's what my sleeves say here. And the reason why we say that is we, the most important thing is that you would love Jesus, that you would have a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ, and that as a result of that, that it would transform your life, that that's how, that that's how things change in us. The Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians is speaking to a misunderstanding of the gospel. He's speaking to people that had heard the gospel, they had kind of heard the truth, but then other people started coming in and they said, you know, it's not really this, it's actually that. And who is Paul anyway? Like, what does Paul know? How, why would you even listen to Paul? And so they're criticizing him personally and professionally. They're criticizing him, they're criticizing his message. And as a result, what happens is this, is that people are misled. And just like in Paul's day, we also have the very same problem today. Many people who've grown up in America, especially rural America, have a church background. They have a church background and they hear, uh, you know what, uh, you, you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta be good, you gotta do good, you gotta be a nice person, maybe be a Republican, uh, if that's where you're coming from, maybe, maybe it's, you should be a Democrat, I don't know what it is for you, but, uh, but you, you gotta do this, you gotta do that, and then God will accept you. Or... You know, the big man upstairs, he's going to take care of you. If you do enough right, then God's going to do, uh, do right by you. And if bad things happen to you, then you know that you've done wrong things. And so God's just getting you back for that. It's a complete misunderstanding of what the truth of the gospel is. And the Apostle Paul is attacking this in a way that he doesn't in any other book in the Bible. The Apostle Paul wrote many books of the, the New Testament. And most of his letters begin with kind of a, a nice salutation, man, I'm praying for you guys. It's so, you know, I can't wait to see you again. You know, that, that, that type of thing, just, just loving, caring, that kind of a deal, even though he might be correcting some things. This book starts out, and he is hot under the collar. He's hot under the collar, and he, is, he comes out swinging right out of the gate. And he says this, Paul, an apostle. And then he interrupts what he's saying. He interrupts uh, the words that he sang, and he interjects something. He says, not from men, nor through man, man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And then he goes on to say what he's saying. Why does he say that? The Apostle Paul, as I said, is being 
he's being criticized. He's being attacked. And they're attacking him personally and professionally. And they're saying, first of all, who is the Apostle Paul? What right does he have to tell me what, you know, what, what the truth is and what the truth isn't? So the Apostle Paul writes to them and he says, let me tell you why I have the right to do so. Now, this might seem arrogant to you, and in any other time it would be, but the Apostle Paul is an apostle. We don't have apostles today. We only have apostles in the New Testament where Jesus has called them personally. Jesus called them personally to be his mouthpiece. Apostle means a sent one, and he has been sent to preach the gospel. He's been sent personally by Jesus. Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. He was on his way to go arrest Christians and throw them in jail. He was from the old religious order. He was from this group of people that was very, very legalistic. And the apostle Paul wanted to go put these Christians, these grace-filled people who didn't believe that you had to follow the law exactly perfectly in order for God to accept you. And so he was going to put them in jail. And on the way there, Jesus meets him on that road and he changes his life. He changes his name from Saul to Paul and Paul begins to preach the gospel. And this book of Galatians is really about this. It is the apostle Paul saying, No, there is only one way to God. You cannot get to God in any other way. It doesn't matter what type of holy man you have, what type of religion you have, what type of anything. There is only one way to God, and that is through the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? Many people believe that the gospel is the ABCs of the Christian life. They believe that it is the beginning of the Christian life. So maybe if you've been in a church at all in your life, and if you haven't, I'm so glad that you're here. But if you've been in a church, you've seen the idea of someone uh, believing the gospel, and then they come, they might walk an aisle, they might come forward, they might do that multiple times if they believe that the first one didn't stick, and then they do another one, and then they do another one. And so they just think, if I, if I just believe this, then that's fine. And now, once you've believed the gospel, now God says, now, you better get your act together. You better not screw up, and if you do, bad things are gonna happen to you. The Apostle Paul says, no, that will not work. That is not how it works at all, and in fact, if you believe that, you may as well be lost because you're not believing in the truth of the gospel. So the gospel is not just the ABCs, as Tim Keller says, it is the A to Zs of the Christian life. The gospel is how we begin the Christian life, and it is how we continue through the Christian life. Everything is relative to the gospel. If you know the book of Ephesians at all, where it talks about uh, a husband and wife relationship, the apostle Paul says this. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's the gospel being applied to your marriage. There's multiple ways. How can you go and act like that? Jesus is the one that gave himself up for you. Everything, every bit of growth is tied to the reality of how much you understand what Jesus has done for you. And so the Apostle Paul this morning, and God wants you to know, he wants you to hear something. He wants you to hear that you may not know the gospel in its fullness. And you will hear us talking about it over and over again. Now, let me explain what a gospel is. A gospel is good news. 
it's good news. And there's stories about how in Paul's day, someone would ride in to a, a town and they would be like a town crier and they would bring out the good news, the good news of, of something. The gospel of Jesus Christ is also good news. It is a, good, a word of good news. And the way that we can get the gospel wrong in so many ways is by saying that somehow I've got to be good in order for God to accept me, or somehow I just need to be more tolerant of other people, or somehow I just, I, the, the good news of my life might be my sexual identity. The good news of my life might be I get to do whatever I want. I can sleep with whoever I want. I can act however I want, and that's just the good news. Isn't that the way that our world is working today? The good news to our world today is do whatever you want, however you want, and you'll be just fine. The gospel says something different. The gospel says something else. So the apostle Paul says he's an apostle. He's not from men, men, men nor through man. He wasn't called by a man. He was called by God. And he's, he clearly wants you and I to know this. We go on, and he says, and all the brothers who are with me. He says, to the churches in Galatia. The apostle Paul had planted these churches. It would be a little bit like this. Like he went to a town, he found somebody, he led them to Jesus, he told them about the good news of Jesus Christ, and these people became Christians, and then they started gathering, they started gathering, they started gathering, until there's multiple churches in the city of Galatia. What does he say here? He says, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why does he say that? He says that because of this. The gospel means that grace and peace come to you. The gospel means that grace and peace come to you. Martin Luther says this, not Martin Luther King Jr., but Martin Luther, the old uh, reformer, says this, grace remits or pays for sin and peace quiets the conscience. Sin and conscience torment us, but Christ has overcome these fiends, two tormentors, now and forever. So grace pays for sin and peace quiet, quiets the conscience. Why is that important? Because of this, because we have an issue we have a major issue. We have a major problem in our life. Just like me, as I was growing up, growing up in the church and realizing I cannot get right with God. I can't do what's right. And then I, I have my past. I have all the things that I've done. The stuff that like when I sit in bed at night and it's quiet and my mind is just able to run free and I, there's no radio, there's no, there's no one to talk to. And I begin to think about, like, these are all the ways that I have totally blown it. These are all the ways. And what am I going to do with that? How am I going to atone for that? The Apostle Paul wants you to know something. You can't atone for it. You can't fix it. You can only receive the grace of Jesus Christ. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, you have to get the grace of God. God has to cover over your sins. The second thing there is peace. What is peace all about? Peace is all about reconciling a relationship between you and God. Why, why do we need a reconciled relationship between us and God? Because of this. Look at the next verse. He says, who gave himself for our sins. Sin. Man, not a popular subject today. Sin is an incredibly unpopular thing. In fact, the only thing that is a sin in our culture today is claiming that there is sin. Is that not true? 
It's saying that like, you don't, it, it, it's really wrong for you to judge someone else and say that that lifestyle, the way that, the, the way that this person chooses to live, what they're doing, how they're acting, that you, you can't call that sin. What the Apostle Paul says is that every single one of us needs grace and peace from God because of our sin. See, sin has a long history. In fact, from the very first moments of history, Adam and Eve are in the garden. God says, you only have one rule. There's just one rule. It's the the only rule that I'm gonna give you, and that is you must not eat from the the tree that's in the middle of this garden. Everything else is yours. Everything else you can have. And what do they do? Eve begins to talk to a talking snake, which sounds crazy, but that's what happens. That's what the scriptures tell us. This talking snake is Satan. And Satan says, no, you're not going to whatever. It's, it's, it's not a problem. God knows that you will be like him, knowing good and evil. God knows that you'll know more than he does. Therefore, you should just go ahead and eat it, because then you'll be smarter than God. Adam and Eve make that decision, and what happens? The whole human race is now stained by sin, because our first parents sin, all of, our, all of us have sinned. That begins with Adam and Eve. And then you go on to uh, Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and, uh, and Moses and, and King David and King Solomon. And as you look at all of these people, even uh, King David says, surely I was conceived in sin. What, what he means by that is he's, he's saying, I, when I came forth, when I came out of my mother's womb, I was sinful. Many times people believe, well, there's this age of accountability that, you know, that at that point, then you're uh, liable for your sins, for the things that you do wrong. Or how could a little child, how could a baby be sinful? David says what the scriptures tell us is this, is that we come forth sinful. Now, we may not act on every single thing that, that we, we think about, but we come forth sinful. Every single one of us has a propensity towards sin. Many of us don't talk about it. We want to act like we have it all together. In fact, sometimes we join religions or churches that basically say, you know what? Here is, here are the rules. Follow all the rules and everything will be just fine. If you make sure that you never do this and that you always do that and you never do this, then you're going to be in the right place. Jesus has a response to people like that. He talked to the Pharisees one day and he said, you travel over land and sea to make a single convert, convert, but at the end of the day, you make him twice the son of hell that he was to begin with. Why is that? Because when you believe that you've done it, when you believe that you don't have sin, when you believe that you've cleared everything out of your life, you are much further away from even believing that you need God. What that means is this, is that we've, there, some of us in here are self-condemners. Some of us in here know that we jacked it up, and I'm one of them. Some of us know that we can't atone for the things that we've done, and the gospel is like, it is a breath of fresh air. But then there's some of us who are sitting in here who have been in church most of our lives who have just said, you know what? I think I got it. And it's a warning from God, and that's what Paul is speaking to here in the word of God as he's saying this. You've got to understand that grace and peace with God comes from the gospel. Grace and peace brings you resolve from your sins. When you're sitting in bed at night 
like I was as a kid, going, I don't know if God is just going to someday just going to strike me dead. I'm, I'm, I'm going to end up killing myself because I'm going to be out drinking, doing something, do something stupid. Like, I've, I've, squ- I've heard the truth of the gospel before, and it, it just doesn't impact me. It doesn't change me. Do you know what that is? It's war with God. It's war with God. It's, it's understanding this. It's understanding that, like, me in my sinful state, I am not going to be able to overcome this. I'm not going to be able to atone for this. I'm in a bad way. I can't change it. I can't fix it. I can't make it better. The gospel not only pays for your past, it also pays for your present, and it also pays for your future. And what it does for you is this, is it brings you peace with God. And so how do we apply the gospel in those moments? We apply the gospel in those moments by continually putting faith in Jesus Christ. See, faith in Jesus Christ, believing the gospel, is not just the beginning of your Christian life, it is an ongoing exercise in our lives that we go, when we sit in the quiet of that room, when we sit in those moments and we can't seem to figure it out, and we say, you know what? Jesus went to the cross, and he didn't just pay for some of my sin. And and I, I have to keep going. He didn't just pay for some of my sin. He paid for everything. He paid for absolutely everything so that in this moment right here and right now, I could experience the gospel, which is the good news. The good news right here in this moment. The good news right here in this moment. When I, when I all of a sudden realize, man, I've just been a prideful jerk. I don't have it all, to get, all together. The good news right here and right now is that when God sees, when God knows, when God understands, which God understands all things because he's sovereign, he knows what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, when you're going to do it, all that stuff. But in, in our understanding, in our th- way of thinking, Jesus, in essence, becomes more gracious. The Apostle Paul in Romans 5.20 says, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. It's, as I become more sinful, it's as though God's grace continues to pour out on me. I don't know how many of you have been in this place where you say, you know what, God loves me right now, but if I were to do this thing, if I were to screw up again, if I were to act this way, then I'd be done. It'd be over with. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. The Apostle Paul, and God through the Apostle Paul, wants you to hear this morning, you cannot... You cannot out God. He will love you more than your sin. He will love you more than your sin. And more than that, how did he do that? He didn't come to you and say this. I, I, uh, I, I, I've got a list of rules for you. And if you, if you I'm going to give you a list of rules. And here's the list of rules. If you keep those, then... You can stay in my good graces. Now look at what it says. It says, who gave himself. He didn't give you good deeds to do. He didn't give you going to church. He didn't give you be kind. He didn't give you tolerance. 
He didn't give you sexual identity. He didn't give you conservative politics. He didn't give you liberal politics. He gave you himself. Jesus doesn't just offer you a way of life. Every other religious teacher gives you, here's how you should live. Do these things and then you're in. Jesus doesn't give you a list of rules. Jesus gives you his very self. He is God in the flesh. He gives you of himself. Why? Look at the next part of that verse. To deliver us from the present evil age. Is there any doubt that we live in a present evil age? I mean, it's real easy out here in the middle of uh, the, the hills of Silverton to point to the inner city and, and look at the rioting and, the, and, and all of that stuff and, and to go, that feels pretty, pretty wicked. But we can also point to other things. We can also point to other, other ways that people have made this place an evil place. This present, uh, this present age, this present world is completely evil. Why? It's be because it's filled with people who are inherently evil. From the moment uh, that uh, from the moment that God said go, and that God created Adam and Eve, shortly after that, this world is filled with sinful people. It makes us all sinful, and He gives Himself to deliver us from that. I don't know if you need deliverance from what you're involved with right now, whether it's pride or self-loathing. But that's what Jesus offers you. Jesus offers you the good news, which is it can't depend on you. And some of you are like, really? And some of you are like, oh, good. It can't depend on you. It can only depend on me because I gave myself for you. I gave myself for your life. I gave my life for your life. That's what Jesus offers you. And he offers that to us to deliver us from the present evil age. See, Jesus doesn't tell us that the good news is that if you become a Christian, then you can improve the world and everything will be better. No, he delivers us from this world. And we get to live in a new world, a new kingdom with Jesus as our king. Our president is not our king. No matter which president you really like, our president is not our king. Jesus is king. He delivers you from being tied to this political system. He delivers you from being tied to uh, having to be worried all the time about what's gonna happen in the legislature, what's gonna happen in D.C. He delivers you from having to really worry about all that because what we understand is this, is that my politic isn't gonna fix what's going on in this world. It's not gonna change it. Jesus is the one who delivers us through the good news of the gospel. He says here, according to the will of our God and Father. See, God is so great. He is so tremendous. He is so in control that he has absolute power over all things. His absolute power extends to even your salvation. Why is that important? Because if you choose to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, what you'll find out is this that many people believe, you know what, I'm a pretty good person, I'm a, I'm a Christian, 
They've decided that they love Jesus. They've decided to have relationship with him. And so therefore they can take some credit for that. The apostle Paul says, not even your decision to follow Jesus is your own. It is according to the will of our God and father. The will of our God and father is the one that even allows us to choose him. Why is that important? Because at the very core, at the very bottom of who you are, you didn't do it. At the very core, at the very bottom of even your decision to follow Jesus, it can't be about you. It can't be about what you've done. It can't be about what you haven't done. Because when it's God's will that you become a Christian, when it's God who actuates that, what that means is this. Is that like, hey, I didn't get myself in because I'm a good person. I got in because God is just good. I got in because God is good to me, and it was through his will that he saved me. I was talking to a gal in our church that was an atheist not that long ago. She has this great statement. We're sitting there talking about how it's controversial sometimes that people believe that God is sovereign even over salvation. And she just immediately, abruptly interrupted me. She said, that's not controversial to me. She said, I was dead. I was raised in an atheist home. I was raised with people. My dad taught me from the time I was a little kid to disbelieve everything. And I never believed anything. And I can't believe that I believe it now. God saved me. Men and women, when God saves you, it changes everything. And it's not just at the beginning of your Christian life that he saves you, but he is in an ongoing fashion saving you. Not that you lose your salvation. That's not the way it happens. It was by the will of God that you got in. You can't get yourself out with your own will. So Jesus says, it's by his will. And then the apostle Paul says, lastly, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Why is that important? If you made it happen, then you get glory. If God made it happen, then he gets glory. If all of your success, if all of the things that you have are because you've just been that good, you've just been that smart, you just voted the right way, you just hang out with the right people, then you get to, you get, to get glory for that. But if God is the giver of all good things, then you get to get, give glory to God. I have another atheist friend. He goes hiking in the mountains and he just hangs out. And, I, and I, when I talk to him, I just sit there and I go, I, I, I hear this angst in him. And he's like, man, I just, I just love it so much. I love seeing it. I just wanna, I wanna be a part of it. And I, and I said to him one day, I said, bro, it's like you enjoy God's creation so much, but you have no one to think. And it's devastating because it's just like, yeah, it just all appeared. But you know what? All of us are kind of like an atheist because we take credit for all of these things. And God wants you to know something. That at the very core of who you are, the only way that, can, that anything can happen, it, it is by his power. And it is so that you could live the rest of your life for the thing that he created you for. He created you. And I'm, I promise you this. He created you to bring him glory. He created you to glorify him. And glorifying him means believing him. It is 
believing in him that he went to the cross for your sins, that he died, that he took an excruciating penalty. And he, in that moment, when he went to the cross, he took on all of your sin and the sins of the world so that everyone who believes will not perish but have everlasting life. And everlasting life doesn't mean just later. It means right here, right now. You know what we're living in? A present evil age. Jesus is inviting you to live in life right now. Do you know what you've been missing all your life? You've been missing glorifying God by trusting in him. And now you don't have to work so hard. You can just revel in the relationship that Jesus says. You don't have to work so hard to be perfect. And you don't have to feel so bad about being, about being sinful. But now you get to receive the grace of Jesus Christ. How do you do that? You have a conversation with God. In Romans it says, if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. And so I don't know if there's some of you here this morning that have never given your life to Jesus Christ, but I wanna invite you to today. I would love to talk with you after the service. I'd love to connect with you. You could send an email to us, info at outwardchurch.com. You could just hit, hit me up after, after the service. We'd love to do that. I'd love to tell you more about that. At Outward Church, we normally take communion every single week. Maybe you're not used to that. Can I invite the ushers to come forward here? And what we do is uh, if you're a believer here this morning, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, I just want to invite you to stand up right now. Come grab, uh, there's two cups, one with a cracker, one with the juice. And then we'll partake of this together. consider our own life before we partake of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And so would you just take a moment, would you bow your heads with me, close your eyes. And I want you to think right now, you don't need to close your eyes if you're walking around. So, so just I want to be clear. I didn't know how clear it needed to be. I want you to think with me for just a moment. I felt like I need to earn God's approval for him to be happy with me. Is there, is there sin in my life that I constantly am reminded of, that I'm constantly remembering, that I'm constantly being made aware of, 
that I just can't seem to get over? Is there somebody that I've wronged that I haven't even addressed, that I haven't even talked to God about it yet? Where's the sin in my life right now? Just think about, think about where's the sin in my life right now? It feels like a bad feeling at first. But here's what Jesus wants to say to you. I gave my body for you. I gave myself for you. I gave everything. I left it all out on the field. I poured it all out. I gave everything. You, you can't hang on to this. I gave myself for you. And I want you to take this cracker which represents my body. And I want you to understand that this is my body, which was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the body. My love for you is so incredible. It's, it wasn't just a flesh wound. It wasn't just something little that happened. I poured out my lifeblood for you. I gave it all. This is my blood, which is shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the blood. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be changed. Lord, that we would understand your gospel in a way that maybe we never have before. Lord Jesus, would you impress that on our minds today? It's in your name we pray. Amen.